Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> This is potentially sticking my foot way down into my throat, so I apologize. (laughs) But you're very tall. Yeah. And it's interesting that your power seat and where you put your patients is you bring yourself below them. Yeah. I like being on the ground. I'm a ground kind of girl, you know. It just feels good to be be close to the earth for some reason. So I apparently like the low thing. Plus, it's different perspective because I am very tall. And, um... I don't know. It's interesting that you point that out. I never, I never consider that, but I think I feel safer, you know, close to the earth sometimes. Well, I wonder too, if you're in a place of serving, which is Mm. what healing is, Mm. right? Yeah. That then you want to... Ground my energy. Right, or bring yourself... Like, there is an element of power in height. Yeah, you're right. And I actually do a lot of um, speaking at events and things like that. And I love that platform because I feel really strong, you know, and I was a model for a little while. I did some runway, you know, work. So that was like empowering for me. So um, I lived in New York for a long time and that really helped me with my confidence because there I could just be, you know, myself. And I love the anonymity of that and, you know, really helped me a lot. So um, you know, I like tall ceilings and I like the trees here make me happy because they're so big, you know, so that grounds me a lot, but it's interesting, you know, what moving in, do we, should we just start recording? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. I just think we should, I'd rather like, okay, yeah, you know, okay. can you hit? We're recording. Oh, we are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I was like, that's the trick is that you don't tell the person. Oh my God. That is so awesome. See, I knew, I knew. <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so we can start now. <laughs> we can start. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant. Thank you. You told yeah. get me. You're very intuitive too. Oh, yeah, us us birds of a feather, you yeah. know. I think it's I identify a lot with like the misfit culture and just people. You know, there's this great meme I saw once that was like if you weren't born into the world you fit into, it's because you were meant to create a new one. Yeah. And I just thought that was so beautiful, you know. Because a lot of us were born into challenging environments and things were, you know, not quite, we didn't fit. You know, I grew up in Michigan, which is, you know, beautiful place. And I had a beautiful family, but I just never fit, you know, and because I was so tall and and just a little different than most people. It's like a flamingo. It's like the ugly duck syndrome. You know what I mean? Uh, That story is like, that's it. He just kept going from home to home, trying to find where he fit, and he realized he was a swan. Right. That 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 tale is just that's such an archetypal tale, and I really love helping people who are challenged by being different. And I I love you know one of the things I love about being here is this, this inclusivity is just built into the fabric of this community and this area. I just think it's really beautiful to see because growing up in these smaller places that the open-mindedness is sometimes you know right lacking for a better word right i'm involved with a um, anti-racial task force for Mm. the school district Mm. and i'd say that the inclusivity needs work for people of color yeah oh yeah yeah well there's so much of that's been coming out in the culture you know i mean it's really you know and i have my own issues you know what I mean I think as loving as I am I have 
prejudices that have been imprinted in me from fucking a long time. So we all struggle with that. Do you know what I mean? I do. You can, your perception is programmed. And, you know, right. we're programmed. That's it, at a cellular right. level with ideologies and ways of seeing things that are just in our fucking DNA, and it's incumbent upon us to heal that. Yes. And okay. that's why some of us have a very, you know, their lifetime is very. Significant. I mean, all lifetimes are significant, but you learn the lessons, and we carry, you know, through epigenetics, all these things. Fascinating what we don't even know yet about who we really are. And I just love exploring that concept because it's just, it's fascinating, right? It is. It's a great question to ask, who am I? Yeah. And you often learn that by finding who you're not. Right. That's what the earth school is about. What am I not? You know, that's why it's called resistance and contrast and fear. It's the ego. It's black and white. We live in the world of duality. You know what I mean? This is our uh, this is our cross to bear is being here, and so now with the, all these ascensions going on and these spiritual awakenings, which I really would like to talk about, you know, because I, I really my experiences have been significant, and I want people to understand that what they're going through is not necessarily a tragedy or the end of their life. It's a fucking spiritual awakening, and there's not enough education and knowledge around what that process is what that looks like, what that experience is like. And we label it as depression or anxiety or, you know, all these horrible things. And we, you know, then they get on drugs and they get on farmers, you know, and then the culture just freaking eats these people up. This is a sensitivity. And a lot of this is going on with the teenagers right now and the younger kids. I mean, the sensitivity of these children is astronomical and they're just being totally bombarded with, the ego, you know, and it just scares me. It doesn't scare me. It just makes me feel like we got to have these conversations because sensitivity needs to be understood and not seen as a weakness. You know, it's your superpower. And if I can help one kid, one child overcome their insecurity, like how I was, and I didn't, you know, was just so wounded, that's would be a life well served, you know? I told you said you were a model in New York and... I was a stylist in New York. I tried the modeling thing, and I really don't like having my picture taken. But I did a couple of runway shows, and that was really fun. But I, I'm much more of a behind-the-scenes kind of gal. Like, okay. I just didn't... I don't like a lot of attention, you know? So, I mean, I, I'm learning to appreciate it now. Um, but I never wanted to be seen for just my looks. I don't really think I'm that pretty. So, because of the ugly, ugly duckling thing, I was never told that, certainly. So, my confidence was a lot you know, had to do with the fact that I decided to go behind the camera because I love the atmosphere. I love the creativity. And so I did fashion and wardrobe for, um, 15 years, you know, starting in Detroit and Chicago and then New York. And I had my own thing and I worked on photo shoots, you know, dressing models and actors and, you know, for a long time and it was very successful and I had a beautiful life, you know? Right, so, so how did your, um, awakening, happened well the first one was in my 20s um you know a lot of times spiritual awakenings happen um after an accident or something tried like for me it was like i broke i broke my foot and i was working for the elderly at the time because i really loved the elderly <laughs> it was very idealistic in my young 20s and thinking i could like change the world and so um i was living back in michigan uh preparing to go to graduate school and um i fell down um 
helping these elderly people ironically like onto a bus and I broke my foot and I was sitting there at my parents house totally I just moved back from San Francisco because I came out here in the early 90s like four days after graduating from college and then I made it like a year and a half out here and then it was just too much it was like sex drugs and rock and roll you know it was like the mid 90s I was living in lower hate you know it was just like I mean it was balls out fun and I, I still actually am close with people that I met at that time and it was changed my life but it was not easy for a girl from Michigan to like the real world you know so I went running back home and long story short I started uh you know because I was I had broke my foot I had to sit there you know on my parents backyard in the middle of the spring you know with this cast on my foot and I just started meditating and I just started like feeling all these things and seeing all these things. And a lot of um, repressed memories came through about trauma in my childhood. And um, I processed that. And then there was one spiritual bookstore where I grew up. It's called Mayflower Books in Berkeley, Michigan. And I went there every day and I poured through every book. I mean, I spent hours in that store. I was so grateful for that store because it was every book. All of the stuff, I mean, I have only a handful of books now because I've moved around so much, but Osho and, you know, Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and Deepak Chopra, like all, like I just devoured, you know, spiritual knowledge and information. And, and that's how I got into fashion because ironically, I was like, well, is this really the area of my life that I want to go down? And the universe was like, hell no, you've got other fish to fry. And it just so happened that a friend of mine had started a magazine in Detroit called Our Detroit, and they were looking for an intern. And so I just started interning with them and became like, you know, their art, one of their art directors. And I helped launch this lifestyle magazine that's still very successful to this day. And it was such a cool, I just came alive, you know, it was like fashion, all these things. And then from there, I purchased a vintage clothing store. So there's this sort of iconic store in our, where I grew up called Patty Smith and she was selling her business. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. You know, 26 year old, totally clueless, you know? <laughs> so my parents like co-signed alone and I bought this store and it was awesome, but it was like, I did not know how to run a business. All I wanted to do was create like window displays and you know have parties and buy tons of cool clothes and it was cool it was back when you know Detroit back then was when the white stripes were coming up and they would come in and all my artist friends it was just a huge creative time boom for Detroit back then and it was fabulous and everybody came in and I just gave clothes away because everyone's like starving artists and so I ended up you know the business you know right. kind of failed but anyways I'm getting off track um Second spiritual awakening um, was really um, in New York. Uh, I had, um, it was 08 when the recession hit, right? Mm -hmm. And things were really falling apart. Um, it was a difficult time to be there because it was just restaurants are closing and your neighbors and friends are losing jobs. And it was a little weird. So I rented a beach house in Malibu. I was living with someone at the time and things were just kind of, I'd been doing the styling thing for a really long time. And, um, I just rented this beach house in Malibu, um, for a few weeks to like, kind of, you know, figure it out. And two days before I was set to go there, I broke my, uh, I broke my, my wrist in a taxi cab accident on my way to a job, you know, um, on, to set. 
And so I'm lying there with a broken arm going, holy shit, you know, like I'm supposed to go to Malibu and like, and I've got a cast on my arm and, you know, I almost didn't go, but my friends were like, just work. What else are you going to do? Sit in your apartment in New York, you know? And that really opened me up too because I ended up moving out here, you know, to California. And I changed my whole life because I sat on that beach in Malibu and I just healed, you know, all of my stuff. It's a very healing place. And, and so I decided to move to California. And, and, um, and that's when I uh, reconnected with Ever's now father, my son. And we got together and, and had a baby and, you know, our relationship didn't last um, much beyond that. But um, I certainly, you know, I, my child was definitely divinely guided. I just didn't know that until it happened to me. So that was the second. And the third was the most significant, um, which is very personal. I don't know. Um, am I talking too much? No, or it's I, is this interesting to you? Because yeah. I don't, I get con- over conscious of me babbling too much, but... Um, the third really was, that's what brought me to where I am now, which um, happened in Los Angeles. Um, it was, uh, you know, I was single. Um, my son was like four years old. I was living in Santa Monica, working downtown at a branding agency. And um, my son that Christmas was with his father back in Michigan, visiting family. And, um, you know, I was young. I was, this is eight and a half years ago. So uh, I was still kind of like out out and about, you know, on the town. <laughs> my girlfriend was uh, also on her own for Christmas that year. And my kid's away with his dad. I'm like, it's Christmas. We're in LA. What are we going to do? And she's like, let's go to the Chateau. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with the Chateau Marmont. It's a hotel in LA. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. Jim Belushi died yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. all these rock stars yeah. have stayed there. It's fabulous. It's just like at a really cool place. And she lives right down the street. So we're like, all right, we're going to book dinner, you know? So we're, we were like, we, you know, we just kind of like went thinking like, all right, we'll just go have a nice steak dinner at this beautiful place and just, you know, relax. Well, we get there and it was like one of the best nights I've ever had at this chateau. I was not thinking anything. Like I thought it would just be like maybe some families. It was like a party. As soon as you walked in the door, it was like on. And we just proceeded to just drink and eat and I mean, everyone was talking to us. We're running around. Like it was just the most fun I've ever had. And I'm sitting there at the bar, the little sidebar there. And, uh, <laughs> this guy was following us around. It was just really fun. I was like lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. Imagine. <laughs> and I'm wearing my new, my high heeled boots. And I am just like on, fire. on fucking fire, you know, and I'm sitting there at the bar. My friends go out to have a cigarette. And I turn around, there's this gentleman sitting at the table right there, and he's just looking at me. <laughs> and he had this look on his face. He had one of those, like, half grins, you know, like Mowgli at the end of um, that animal uh, jungle book, yeah, you know, and he's in the tree looking at the girl, and he, like, yeah. it was, like, a look to end all looks, you know, and it reminds me a lot of the... Um, the story between uh, Mike Nichols and um, Diane Sawyer, if you're familiar with that story, I won't go off on that tangent, but the way she describes meeting him was exactly, she's like, my life was about to change when this man came into my existence. And long story short, he, he saddles up to the bar and introduces himself. And it was just like, whatever, it was just on, you know? And my friends come back and the night just got more fun. 
just so many cool people out having such a great time. And, you know, um, you know, I, I mean, you can probably imagine where this leads, but, you know, uh, I, at one point in the night, I was like, do you want to like go have a cigarette with me? And he's like, okay. So he walks out, um, to the lobby and I was like, okay, like there's a little smoking porch back there. And he's like this way. And he takes me upstairs in the elevator up to the penthouse. And <laughs> I walk in and I was like, holy shit. It was like the one with the balconies and it was just like, oh my God, it was room 69. <laughs> and I walk in and I am, you know, the bartender at this point is just handing me cocktails. He was handing me absinthe and I mean, I just did not know, Greg. I was just drinking and like, you know, and so I go out on the balcony and I'm smoking. He's pouring me wine, this and that. Next thing you know, he kisses me. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. And then he's like, I'm like just spinning. And he's like, all right, well, we have to go back down because your friend's there. Like, we can't, just I can't just take you, you know? So we go back down. That's and, and Yeah. Surprising. That's uh, Yeah, surprising. you know, and yeah, because, you know, I guess he's a cool, you know, anyways, the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. No Hollywood ending here. But um, uh, at the same time, he uh, brings me downstairs and... You know, we proceed to hang out and the night continues. And then um, it was pretty clear at the end, you know, when everyone's like wrapping up, like I, we were clearly going to spend the night together. And my friend's like, she gets up and she's like, if you do anything to my friend, I am going to hunt you down and kill you. You know, and she was, he was just like, oh my God, he like whips out his business card and hands her his card. I, I won't tell you who he is or, or what his name is because I just wouldn't, you know, okay. protect privacy. <laughs> but, and, and she's just, so she leaves and we go upstairs and proceed to just like, you know, you can only imagine. I don't remember a whole lot, but it was fun. It was fun. And the next morning, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm like, what? I barely slept, you know? And I'm like, okay, I gotta go. And, you know, all this and that. And I was happy, you know, I was supposed to be in New York a few weeks later. So we exchanged numbers and, and it was just a, it was just a very powerful experience for me. And I think for him as well. And, um, he had to catch a flight. So it was just kind of one of those awkward, but not mornings. And I just said goodbye and I left and, um, I went back to my friend's place and, um, you know, recovered. And then, you know, I went back, you know, a couple days later to Santa Monica where I live. My son's still away, um, with his dad. And about two, three days later, I started to just get what I now know are downloads, but I didn't know what it was. I'd be in my room. Um, I'd wake up in the morning and I, I might get emotional because it was really, uh, powerful. And I, it just started happening. These visions, you know, I would start to see things. I would start to see mostly past lives, you know, with this person and everything his soul had been through. And it was really heavy, you know, and past lives that we had had together. And I, I just didn't know. I couldn't control the visions that were coming to me. And I, it, it just evolved from there. I would get into the shower and I would just start crying and crying and crying uncontrollably. I would see like stillborn babies and, tragic accidents and war, like just so much war. And I didn't know what was going on. And 
you know, it just, from there, it just kind of, I just tried to kind of manage it, you know, and I would be driving in my car in LA, you know, these, you, you, you know, you gotta be, and I would just, my body would start shaking and I, I just would have to like pull over on the side of the road and I just felt all of these things. And so I just started to kind of research, like, what is going on? Like, what is this? And that's what led me to, to, you know, studying the tarot and to, I went on YouTube, you know, and I learned about what I now believe is the closest thing I could find to describe what happened to me was a Kundalini awakening, you know, because it makes sense. The sexual, you know, right, it's often right. through a sexual encounter, right. some kind of an impact, you know, which it was, wakens that energy in, in that part of your, your energy system. And, and, and now when I, that's why this content is so important for people to talk about this because you feel like you're going crazy. Your body starts shaking. You don't know what's going on. You're seeing the downloads, visions. You're having an awakening, meaning your your gifts are opening up. It's a beautiful thing, but it there's not enough. At least at the time for me, there I had very little to go on. And you can't right. like go to a doctor. Right. They're gonna get think you're crazy and shoot you up with some kind of medicine and put you in the loony bin, you know. And I know myself to be a sane person, and I was perfectly capable of managing my life. I just was experiencing something very intense and so I taught myself how the tarot became very interesting to me I just started studying it and I started learning it and I just started to understand that it was a uh, the way that my guides were showing it to me was like it was like a water stream like a faucet and I had to learn how to turn it off because it was just coming and so over the course of the last eight years, I've learned how to manage the downloads and to manage the visions and to manage the information so that I can turn it on and I can turn it off. And that was sort of what I had to learn over the course of eight years. And in the process of doing that, it was a very painful experience because I thought this man was like my soulmate, you know, I got and the whole twin flame thing, which is another important key, key point here understanding the twin flame journey and and how that's a very dangerous territory because a lot of times there's information out there like encouraging people to be in really toxic situations or toxic situations calling it a twin flame so i mean that's a whole separate conversation but i got really into that because that is the only thing that made sense to me and uh, i never saw this man again we've we kept in touch for a very long time texting and things like that and I thought that that was like this magical thing, but he never showed up. You know, it was very painful for me as a woman to feel that way and to have this connection to this person and just never have them come be with me. You know what right. I mean? Like right. it, I just was really confused by that and very hurt, you know? And so I've had to heal that a lot with myself. And so that's why I started you know, what happened really was I was just starting to play with the cards and starting to channel. I would do automatic writing for people. They, friends that were new, knowing about my gifts would just ask me and I would just do things like write out things and give them to people. And they were like, holy shit, this is crazy. And, you know, at the time I lived in LA, my door was open a lot. You know, I lived in Brentwood. It was just kind of like people would walk, you know, neighbors would walk by. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just, oh, you do readings? Like, can I get a reading? And then people just started coming to me for readings, you know, and I just started to learn and channel. And then when I came up here um, during COVID, I spent so much time in nature that it really opened me up even more. And at that time, people were really struggling, you know, so I was just trying to help as many people as I could by offering, you know, the information that was coming through for me. And I was learning 
how to use, to use it to help people. And so I started my business, Frontier Tarot, based on the idea of just taking all of that knowledge that I have now blessed to feel I have access to and, and use it for the greater good, to turn all the pain that I had to go through to understand that and to experience that and to go through that and, and turn it into something good. You know, it was really important that I take all of that and transmute it into something that was a good, beautiful thing for people. And, and just to raise awareness around, you know, spiritual awakenings in general and, and what that is like. And it's different for everybody. And just encourage people to open up to their own gifts, you know. And it's, it's I don't know if it's, I think everybody has the ability. But it, it's definitely something that I cultivate because now that I... I do this for people, you know, it activates it more and I, I love it and I'm grateful for whoever I can inspire and, and help gain clarity. You know, I think that's a big thing, but it's something that I just came to me. It's not like I tried, it just, I had to learn how to manage it as opposed to just being at the whim of something that I didn't understand. So it, it took a minute, but yeah. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. Did you uh, communicate with the guy that your feelings for him and what you were expecting? Yes and no. I had an experience. Um, I was actually up here working. I was One of my clients was a, a wine client at the time and we went to um, Outside Lands, which is the music festival because mm -hmm. you know how wine brands set up at the music festivals and <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were had to go because our client we did the branding and you know marketing these kinds of things for them so we uh, we got obviously got tickets to the show which was awesome you know and so it was golden gate park imagine this is probably three years ago four years ago and we go there super early and we're helping set you know get the booth set up and looking good and just working with the client and whatnot and you know, I, I'm a cannabis consumer and um, I, she had this edible in her kitchen. <laughs> Holy shit, I took that edible. I took half of it. You know, well, all the THC must have been on that half of the chocolate because I show up and I am like paralyzed. Like I, I was like, I have to go sit. I sat on this picnic bench. I'll never forget this. It's like 7.30 in the morning. And it was beautiful, though, because the bands were starting... Yeah, they were starting to do, like, sound checky kind of things. And you could hear just the simple... Right. It was incredible morning. I mean, it was literally, like, out of a movie. And I'm sitting there stuck to this picnic table. Like, I can't move. I'm literally paralyzed. And my... Thank God my friend is doing the business. And, like, I didn't really have much to do. So I could kind of relax. But I literally thought if I got up, I'd have a heart attack. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in with this dog, you know, this big, beautiful dog. And I don't, I'm typically afraid of dogs. Like, I have a little bit of a slight fear of them. And so I'm sitting on this picnic table, and this guy, you know, this young guy, you know, with this dog starts walking over to me. And this is big, gray dog. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the last thing I need. It's like a freaking dog now. It was like a nightmare in my head. I was having, like, borderline panic attack. And this guy walks up to me, and this dog just starts walking up to me. And it's this beautiful gray, like, I think it was like a Wommelreiner, like, breed, I don't know, something. It was just a stunning animal. And it just walked up to me, Greg, and just started, like, kind of nuzzling my legs and, and just kind of cozied up to me. And this guy, this young guy, super cute, you know, like, just, he's like, sorry, my dog just wanted to sit with you. I won't cry. It was so beautiful. And I was like... Oh my God, as soon, and he just sat down next to me, this guy, 
And we just started talking and my whole body just started to relax. And um, because I had seen all of these visions were coming through about asking about the guy. Did I ever share any of that with him? Um, Well, just to end the story about the dog. So the dog was an emotional healing dog for this guy. And we just started talking. And the dog's name was Jules, which my name is Julie. And my friends call me Jules. Uh And this dog healed me. She fucking healed me. And it was just incredible. And, um, you know, it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And so I, to- I, I told him that over a text, you know, like, how do you explain, like, kind of a spiritual experience right. over, you know, right. um, a text message. So I did my best. But I think on the phone once I did kind of tell him, like, the story. Because I was saying I was having these downloads about you, you know. And it was really starting to, pan- you know, I was getting really anxious. And then this dog. And, and so... That's the extent of, of it. We didn't have long conversations. Um, although I think we had a telepathic communication for sure. Um, but I don't know. You know, he's still out there in the world. And, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. I, I, I was deeply hurt by um, the empty promises. And I, I still, you know, don't quite understand all of that. But um, I trust that life is meant to, you know, kind of take you in the right direction. And people are here to teach us and heal us. And... I'm super grateful. It just took me a really long time to understand that maybe this person wasn't meant to be my partner or my person, but he clearly opened me up, you know, and I'm learning how to manage that in in new ways. And um, I'm grateful for it because, you know, changed my life, you know. So on your website, I think you say that you um, help people to know their purpose. Yeah, that's my favorite thing, because once you know... You know, once you know why you're here, it's like that Mark Twain quote, like the two best days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why, you know, you figure out, like, I love that concept because I think so many of us are lost in the sea, you know, and when you're on purpose, your mission is fulfilled here and then you can evolve and you don't have to come back around, you know, you can, you can go higher and higher and higher. And so I think it's really important to... But, you know, it's often misunderstood and like, you know, since like the 90s and Oprah, you know, you're finding your purpose and it's become really watered down, you know, life's purpose. Like, what's your purpose? Oh, find your mission. You know, I get a little bit um, cringy around some of these things sometimes, but um, the purpose really is to heal, you know, and to love. And so I think that we all, we come in with like a soul mission, you know, we have all kinds of things going on. And I think helping people understand who they are um, in their essence is really important. You know, I'm a big fan of, of helping people find their uniqueness. And I think the culture really tries to get us to conform. And I think um, it's really sad to try to fit people into boxes. And I think I try to unravel some of that programming to help them reveal who they are within themselves. It's not like you point it out on a map, but you don't, you know, most of the people that come to me at least are very, open, you know, and, you know, I just try to kind of help guide them to what their highest potential is. Cause I also think that's something that we all want. We all want to reach our potential, right? We don't want to be 80 years old, looking back at our life, thinking mm-hmm. uh, you missed out. You right. want to, you want to reach it, you know, don't yeah. you? Absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely. and I think we get really confused by that and pressured by that. And I just think it's 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 kind of fun to figure that out for people, you know? 
So opens them up, you know? Yeah, you mentioned the duality of this planet. Yeah. So as you're talking about love and light, the duality of that, the opposite of that. Do you fear, have, fear and ego, darkness, yeah. Darkness. Like, have you had an experience with evil? No, I don't. I mean, evil to me is uh, our own internalized pain. It's the shadow, you know? Um, it's the trauma we carry that has yet been processed, you know, it's just the fear within. So I, I think I, I choose not to talk about those subjects, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, I don't mind at all. I, yeah, I, I, giving it any weight, any conversational time feels like it's feeding it. And I just choose to stay in the light and, you know, I, I, darkness is very real and I've been through it and, um, I go through it all the time, but it becomes the shadow becomes less scary when you heal it, you know, when you work through that, you know? Yeah. It seems like you experienced in Los Angeles, your third awakening. Yeah. Could be labeled as darkness. <laughs> um, well, it is dark person. The person I had met, and, and the hotel itself is dark. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's an energy there. You're right. And I think people who are, you know, light workers, whatever you want to call the light, you know, they're often drawn to that, you know, to the dark. And I love I love it. Like, I, I just think that it's not something to be feared. You know what I mean? Yes. I think it's something to be embraced. And, you know, I, I love Carl Jung and that, you know, I, his teachings, I think, are really, really profound because... It is about bringing light to the darkness. And I think that's part of my soul's mission too. And a lot of people who are of the light attracts people who are challenged. And, 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 you know, not that they're inherently dark, but maybe they're just at a, in a dark period. Right. And you're at a point in their life. And you heal that. You know, it's this healing. Yeah. It's healing. So it's difficult for people who are light because often the darkness is... You're, you're just kind of drawn to it, you know, but that's where you learn boundaries and that's where you learn how to protect your energy. And this is the sensitivity part, right? That we all have to sort of be taught, you know, they don't teach you that stuff in college and then and, and college they do, you know, like they will, they are like, I had a, my high school, uh, a college professor, psych professor who totally turned me on to all this stuff. It was like the thing and the no thing, you know, and I was like, wow, there's space in between things and Dr. Andrew Barclay, he was amazing, huh. you know? And I think those pivotal teachers at the right times are so instrumental to our lives. And I think it's really important. Teachers are, are so, so powerful. I mean, healers are one thing. Teachers, man, those are special people. So I just really, um, you know, they're, we're, they're all there along the way. It's just what you choose to focus on, you know? So did you... Was your third awakening before or after you became a mom? It was after. It was after? So yeah. So you were a mother. Already. I was a mother, yeah. And was your son living with you at the time? Yeah. He was living half the time with me and half the time with his father who lived 15 minutes away, 20 minutes so away. So how did you balance... It was hard. Oh, yeah. God. Great question because this is another thing for the moms out there. You know, especially when you're a single mom, there's no, there's really, really hard, you know, to do that. And my son was really young when we split and it was difficult. He was, I was raising him in Santa Monica and, you know, I just, the whole dream was gone, you know, like raising your child with someone, 
it, it just you were, you were the mom on the playground with like you know and all the moms with their diamond rings and the all the stuff and the happy families and the husbands and the perfect things and it was just me it was very very difficult and my son you know thankfully is a very very beautiful soul and very healing and very easy you know in terms of children he was very 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 sweet and and patient and kind and um he healed so much of me you know but it was really hard to find the balance between processing what I was going through and then having to be a mom. mom. So yeah, I think that's part of why it took so long for me to heal and process so much of it was because I had to compartmentalize it in order to be strong. And, and I, it was a big sacrifice for me, but I did it, you know, and he saw me in moments and definitely there were moments I was scared shitless. I had no money. I had, you know, I really was not doing so great, you know, and, but I did it. I did it. And I have an amazing son and he loves me and I love him. And it was a really hard time in my life, but I did it, you know? So is he open to conversations of tarot and spirituality? Yeah, he loves it. He always counts my tarot decks. He's like, mom, you got a new deck, you know? And like, he thinks it's cool and... Yeah, he's totally, you know, these kids are really open, you know, now I think it's, and I love that there's the stigma around these kinds of things is hopefully evaporating a bit because I just think that it's just going to be more normal for people to have these kinds of conversations, whether you choose tarot, whether you choose other divination tools, or you just, you know, we're in the 5D consciousness now, you know what I mean? The 3D, we're ascending collectively. This is the ascension, right? That's so exciting is that the conversations like this are just, how you doing? Great. You know, like it, it's changing, you know, we're, we're evolving, we're ascending and it's beautiful. So it's just kind of connecting with that energy. You know, that's why I also, you know, do the readings and do this kind of work because it keeps me elevated, you know, keeps your vibration high because you're, that's the other thing. Once you find your gifts, which is back to your purpose, it's really your gifts. That's what I'd like to help unlock people because we all are given gifts and nine times out of 10, actually 10 times out of 10, your gift is attached to your, your wounds, that there's a wound. And then if we can get to the wound and we can kind of massage that a little bit, the gift opens up. It's, it's, it's just goes like that. So why do you think that's the nature of it? Because God buries that in your, in your healing process. You know, there's actually a really, really beautiful, um, go ahead. So are you saying the wound happens and then God gives it a gift so that it's not an eternal wound? I think my my feeling is is that part of being on earth is we're here to heal. And so for those who are on the healing journey and who embark on that journey, whether you call it the spiritual path or the, the healing journey or path of forgiveness, whatever it is, but doing so, the reward of of having being brave enough to look within, to look at those things that scare you, to understand those things, to, to heal your heart, to look at that. The gift is given to you as a reward for having been so brave to do that and to do the work of healing your heart and forgiving those that, you know, have... Felt wounded by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Felt wounded by. That's a great way to put it. Because... It's not their fault, right. you know? Exactly. And I think we, we're in a blaming culture. And yeah. I, you know, victim mentality. And I blamed a lot, you know? I still do, you know? <laughs> Believe me, it's a road. It's a journey. It's not yeah. like you're enlightened and, you know, I mean, it, it just keeps going, you know? It, it, 
<laughs> so, but I think you find this sort of core part of yourself and that's that wholeness that I think people are looking for, you know, that sense of completion and wholeness and it's a process, but if you work with life, life heals you and you heal itself, you know, and it just grows. It's often like a tree, you know, like the, the growth rings on a tree, you know, and right. growth is painful. Change is scary, but we have to be brave. And, and that's why I like to help people be brave. You know what I mean? To hold their hand because it's so scary to face your fears and people have a lot of trauma, collective trauma, you know, too. And, you know, I don't do deep, deep healing. I mean, I think I do to some degree, but I don't consider myself that. I think there's people who can go really deep and, and I respect their craft so much. I try to keep it a little lighter, although sometimes it just comes through. Um, but it's it's a beautiful thing on the other side of healing, on the other side of fear is everything you want. It's love, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, now I have nothing. Now you have nothing. See? You've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> um, are your parents still alive? Yeah. And yeah. how are... how? You've obviously transformed quite a bit from the young girl that grew up in their house to mm -hmm. who you are now. Mm -hmm. How has your relationship with each other mm. transformed with Jeez, that. man, you're like Barbara Walters. Um, it's been a journey. I have a lot of pain from my mother. Um, my father's wonderful. Um, he's an artist. Um, and, uh, you know, my mother's wonderful in her own way, but it was, it was difficult, you know, because I didn't get the... I'm very sensitive. And so um, I had a critical mother, let's just say that, you know, and... Um, you know, I know she did the best she could and I'm working on forgiving a lot of that. Um, but I haven't had a much of a relationship with her in a, quite a while. Um, so, you know, she's alive and well and in her world doing her thing. And, you know, my dad is wonderful, but I am challenged that he didn't stand up for us. You know, even though he did, it wasn't quite strong enough for me to feel safe, you know. So, um, you know... I, I wish them all the best. I'm so grateful. You know, I as I heal myself, um, I realize that, like, I was meant to be here. And I'm, you know, for some reason to, to do what I do and and just to be who I am and to accept all of it. And, and learning to be more grateful for the fact that they got me here and all the good things that they did for me, which were incredible. And I don't know all of the story. And, you know, they... I... I, I it pains me a little bit because I want to forgive and let all that go and I'm working on it, you know, and, um, I've come a long way, but we currently don't have a connection. Um, that's, you know, very physical. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. Okay. So you never shared your experience in Los Angeles with either of them? No. Oh God, no. Would you be comfortable sharing this episode with them? You think? Well, if they stumble upon it, I mean, at this point, I, I, you know, I am who I am and I, you know, I feel like, um, you know, they've all really supported me in so many ways and I, I have no problems with them, um, knowing what, who I am. Um, I do get a little scared because I feel I don't want to be sabotaged because I have been and, um, 
but I feel protected enough to know that I, I'll be okay. And I, you know, I, I don't want anyone to like email that to them and I doubt they're going to find it. I mean, I, you know, but whatever, you know, so what, <laughs> I mean, what will be, will be, but, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. It feels like a potential opportunity where you could present it to them and they'd have their choice of whether they really I, I do, them. you know, hope to have a sense of completion around that. I'm just scared. Yeah. I'm really scared to talk to them. I'm terrified, actually. So, uh, you know, yeah. I can't do it by myself. I've tried. So, anyway, sorry. That's okay. Do you have siblings? Yes, wonderful, wonderful, beautiful sister, brother, beautiful family. I am so lucky. But sometimes there's that one poison, poisonous drop and it spoils the bunch. And I can't do that to myself anymore. I will not put myself in situations where I'm made to feel anything less than, you know, appreciated. So. Yeah. It's a healing process. <laughs> no, it's good. Thank you. I cry. You know, I I love cry. I mean, crying is very. You know, it's hard, but I I encourage it a lot, and I do. I cry a lot, so I do feel like I'm not gonna. You know, the garbage, right? Uh, okay. They're taking the garbage out. We're taking the emotional baggage. Oh, awesome. I just release my emotional baggage. Thank you. Dang, I'm supposed to be healing you. You're healing me. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oh, it's a mutual. That process. is hilarious. Literally, take that garbage out, yeah. Julie. Oh my god, thank you. Um, Thanks, Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Laughter is so healing too. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh my god. Did you grow up with Milo Thomas's uh, "Free to Be You"? And oh, you? totally. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Arlo Guthrie and music is my a huge passion of mine, and that's why I love it so much. Is because it was an escape for me, being in the back of you know your mom's station yeah. wagon in the in the seventies when you know like Jefferson Starship's coming on and like all this amazing music, and it just was my escape, you know. And disco and all, I was like the happiest times in my life as a child were dancing, you know, to the music because it was just so incredible. So music is so healing for me and I think universally is. And it was because it pulled me out of, you know, the pain that I was in for just two minutes and 36 seconds. You know, a song is so just transformative and beautiful and um, I, I, I just believe in the power of that so much you know it's interesting you mentioned earlier how you don't know your parents full story like what their yeah. story is and it reminds me my father shared with me that his grandmother he was a bitch in his words but then he also shared that she came to this country with like eight kids or something and the husband passed away right when they got oh here. Oh, my God. She didn't speak the language, raising eight children on her own. Yeah. Right. Like, you kind of... I think people's stories, you get insights into why their actions yeah. are as they are. Yeah, and it builds compassion, doesn't yes. it? It really right. does. And, and you know, it's, it's 
challenging as it is, like I had love there. I had a grandmother who, I mean, I didn't see her all that often, but when I did, man, oh, the love. She would just hug me and see me and talk to me about, she was just so loving. And you know, both of my grandparents were, uh, my grandmothers. And that healed me a lot, you know? And I think have their presence is they obviously passed, but are very powerful in my life. My one grandmother in particular, because she just saw me and teachers too. My third grade teacher, you know, there, there's these angels, yes. you know, in our lives, children who are, you know, have difficult, um, situations like that. Like there, there are angels around you. And that's why I believe in angels and, and, and spirits and, and guides and, they all helped me, you know, and they were always there. And you just so grateful for that, you know. Have you delved much into the ancestral realms of spirituality, like where your genealogy is? You know, it's so interesting because I never valued myself enough to want to know where I came from in terms of like my, you know, ethnicity and things. I mean, I'm really fascinated by it, but when you're raised with like such a low self-esteem, you don't think that you're worth anything. You don't think that there's any, why would I go look at where I came from? I'm, I mean nothing, you know? So I never, it's, I'm very curious about it, but again, it's one of those things where it's like, you need someone to be like, let's figure out where you're from. And like someone to hold your hand through that process a little bit. It's sort of odd. I feel a little like, I'm really curious, but I, I want someone to like, do that for me or something. I don't know. It's weird. All right. So you're holding a lot of people's hands on this life journey. Yeah. Is anyone holding your hand right now? <laughs> I hold my own, but um working on that. Okay. Working on that. Yeah. It's opening up is, um you know, I, I shut down quite a bit after um, my son's father, you know, and I split up. Um, there was a lot of betrayal there that was very wounding. And um, so I got, you know, I got into survival mode, you know, where I just didn't open my heart really to anyone. I mean, this, this man that I met at the hotel I was telling you about kind of, you know, it just kind of threw salt on the wounds too, you know. So I've been very, I've been single for a very long time and, um, I've been mostly celibate and um, I'm starting very slowly now, like literally as we speak, feeling like I'm opening back up again and it's, you know, baby steps for me. But um, I, I, you know, I definitely think that that's changing for me and I'm excited to, to, to allow myself to feel that way again, you know, because it's... Um, it's time. They keep saying this to me, Greg. They're like, it's time. Julie's going to have to start to, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen now? But um, yeah, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm at a really, really like interesting point in my life. And I'm very excited to see, you know, how this all plays out. Cause so far it's really freaking awesome. So yeah, <laughs> stay tuned. All right. That's second episode. <laughs> yeah. Very good, very good. Um, now, this is a very personal question, and um, so it may not be appropriate, but you've been very open with your experience at the hotel, at the chateau, yeah. right? And that it was a very fun sexual experience. Yeah. Very hot. You have this sun in the world, and in our current culture, the Western culture, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, toxic male is <laughs> one of the <laughs> memes. So, how are you sharing the joy and love of sensuality in that realm of partnership with your son? With my son? And what I mean by that is you're one of his teachers. Yeah, well, luckily he hasn't, he's just hitting puberty now and he hasn't had a sexual awakening yet, um, but we're getting close. Um, it's a very interesting question because I've been on my own and, and, you know, literally I can count on one hand the time, number of times I've been with someone in the last 10 years. Um, so I, I don't know. I wonder if my own repression has, I, I don't know. You know, I, I know I was very conscious of the fact that when I had ever, I wanted to give him all of me, you know, it was really important as a mother. And I did a really good job of that because I was the single mom that took care of my kid and very hands on. Same with his father. You know, I give his dad a lot of credit. We did a really, really, really good job of raising our child, you know, with you know, no nannies, no anything, shuffling them back and forth, the best schools, the best everything. We gave our whole hearts to this child, and he, it's very obvious that we did because um, he knows he's loved, which is what one of his teachers said, and that was like the biggest compliment anyone could give me was that he knows he is loved. I was like, I broke down in tears. I was like, oh my God, that's the nicest thing you could tell me. So I really devoted myself to him, you know, in a very, um, you know, loving way. And, and also in a, my own protective way. I think it was sort of an excuse for me, you know, because I was a single mom and I just gave him my heart, you know, and uh, I was never the mom that had a rotating, you know, revolving door of men. I never felt like I needed a man to take care of me. You know, I'm very independent, you know, and uh, although I always wanted it, I never really, I just didn't have it. So I learned to just, you know, do the best. But now as he's getting older, I think that's what's also helping me open up again is because, you know, he's 12 and he's about to you know, and mom needs to be happy, you know, and feel fulfilled and taken, you know, care of in that way too. So I'm trusting the universe with that, you know, and, um, I'm really proud of, of, of how the choices I've made with him and I invested a lot in him and, and he's wonderful. Um, but I, I am starting to feel like it's not doing either of us any good for me to stay so withdrawn into myself um, I'm a very sexual person and I'm very, you know, I have some healing work to do around that, um, for sure. Um, but I look forward to having a partner who's generous and, and patient with me. And, and I totally believe that that's possible and, uh, it's happening, you know? So it's just, for me, it's, it's got to work on all levels, you know? Uh, um, I've tried just to do like the, you know, the sex thing. I just, I can stop built like that. You know, it's just, you know, I know a lot of women are like, Oh, just go sleep around and do, I, I just, I, I'm not, I, it's not in my DNA to do that. So, you know, I, I just focus on myself and take care, you know, part of what is really important to me is to learn how to take care of myself really well. Um, and to value myself. And so I've had to learn those things and that's taken some time, but you know, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty close recently. I just, you know, went through a big purification process and cleaned up my diet and lost some weight and I exercising a lot more now and it feels really good. So I'm just taking excellent, excellent care of myself. And I think that's what's shifting 
by external reality in that way, you know. That's interesting. Yeah, as within, so without. Yeah. So as I learn to love myself more, I see it showing up in my life, and it's amazing. It's just, it's absolutely stunning. And I know it's worth the wait, you know, because it's that good. And I can feel it, and it's it's just <laughs> something that, like, you know, it's like a fine wine. You just kind of want to sip it gently. Right. And I've learned to... You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a double fire sign and I like to move fast. You know, I am like Mach 10 with my hair on fire. That's my speed. You know, I love going fast. But in these situations, <laughs> it's like I have to slow down, you know. And I'm like, it's not my strong suit, but it's like, okay, you know, be patient. And it's not always easy, but I, uh, you know, I'm learning how to just take it one step at a time. Have you done any outdoor adventure stuff that supports that go fast, like whitewater rafting? Yeah, whitewater rafted. That's super fun. Um, you know, I'm not a big, I'm kind of a scaredy cat, so I'm not really big into, you know, like anything. Risk I, I hurt myself easily. I'm tall. You know, if I fall, I break bones because I have really small bones for being as tall as I am. So my body gets can get injured really easily. So I, as much as I would love to surf, like I just don't know if that's, I do yoga. That's great. But moving fast is like, like New York, you know, like that's why I'm, I really enjoy like what? I, like being in New York. Oh, okay, okay. Like that's why I like fast being energy. there so much. It yeah, really suits yeah, my energy. Yeah. So that's, that's really a place where yeah. I feel most like excited. You yeah. know, I'm always happy when I'm on a flight to New York, you know, cause I just uh. tap into it and. Travel too is is really a fun place for me to to experience that and just business. I love business and creativity and making things happen and you know um, so uh, that really energizes me as well is is really the creative the creative. So do you part. have other businesses happening besides yeah work? yeah I have a gallery uh, I run a gallery down the street from me and um, wait is it the the solstice gallery really yeah that's so funny because the photographer gentleman yeah um there's a woman i know in sausalito who um, had a dog that he and his wife and family adopted the dog because it was so crazy oh really the photographer the owner or no it's i i think he's at that gallery and he's a photographer he lives up jimmy crawl is it jimmy crawley or Bruce Steinberg? Bruce. Bruce. Does he have a wife? In I don't know. I don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And I think I've seen you sitting in there before. Yeah. The I sit in the window. Yeah. yeah. For now. We're changing all that. But um, it's absolutely another divinely guided thing that came into my life. I mean, I could not. It, it just, it's so important and special to me. And, um... There's some really exciting things that I'm doing with that because I, you know, I love business and, and I do my readings and the healing work, of course, because that's, but that's more for me of, um, I don't know. It's like being of service somehow. It sort of satisfies, satisfies this need for me to help people and, and contribute. You know, obviously I, you know, charge money and people pay me. So it's technically a business, but it's, it's more just something organically that I do, you know, because just people come to me, you know. That's just, it wasn't like I set out to do that. You know what I mean? I just, people started showing up and paying me to read for them. So that's why I do it. I really don't promote. I go on Instagram and that's kind of it, you know? So that just sort of runs its own little thing. And then in the meantime, I love art. You know, I really, really, I just, artists always, I remember being in fifth grade and the picture lady would come 
they, we called her the picture lady, like every one Friday a month. She'd show up with like the like these paintings, you know, of like class, like Van Gogh's Starry Night and The Scream and Monet, and she would stand up in front of the class, and I was just like, oh my god, I would see these works of art, and I was just lit up, you know. And I, we had a, the DIA in Detroit, where I'm from, which is a beautiful museum, Diego Rivera mural, and I'm just always, always friends with art. All my friends have been artists, and and just. I've been in the creative industry for a long time, but so I did this talk. This is what happened. I was, I was, I was guided to, to, to do a talk because I do these talks sometimes, right? At a gallery that had just opened in town called Arena Galleries. I don't know if you're familiar with Arena Galleries. Turns out they were a client of mine. They were the client that I did the project for in Golden Gate Park when I had that spiritual oh, waking. Yeah, Right, yeah. and I'm walking. So this is the crazy thing. I was giving a psychic talk up the road in San Rafael at a psychic fair. I was giving a lecture, not a lecture, but a, whatever, you know, intuitive right. talk. Yeah, yeah. That day, and I was, I came home from giving this talk, and I was all like buzzing because I was just like at the psychic fair. I was like, I need to go for a walk and like clear ground my energy. So I go for my walk in town, and I look over. I'm like, Arena Galleries. I was like, that is so crazy because I used to write for them. You know, they were my client. So I walk in there and I just like, I'm like, oh my God, because I knew they had galleries up in Napa and whatnot. And I just start chatting with the girl and, and, and it was just like, I was like, oh, I used to work for you guys, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no way, this, that. We just started getting to know each other. It was a lovely conversation. And we ended up um, chatting about like what I do now, which is like this intuitive thing. And, and, you know, I'm like, oh, I give talks and stuff. We just started chatting about the possibility of me doing a talk there, you know, using art as sort of, um, this sort of like talk, you know, I don't know. It just, the conversation started. We, we met for coffee. And so um, we decided I would do a talk there called The Art of Introspection and use art as a tool for learning more about who you are, you know, because the way you perceive art, the way, the things you pick up on, the emotional reactions you have are all, in, you know, ways for you to understand yourself and bring out, you know, a little bit more self-awareness, right? So Long story short, I give this talk. Um, it was last November, and it was great. You know, we had great turnout. It was so much fun, and uh, and they loved it. And I was just kind of got the art bug. You know, I was like, I just need to be around art because after being in COVID and being in lockdown for so long, you know, I just needed to get out into the world. And my readings I do from home, and I was like, I just I just need to not be home all day. And so I was like, I'm going to maybe just find a side gig working at an art gallery. And that way I can be around art that I love. And sure enough, I go on Craigslist and it's like this ad for Solstice Gallery. And I was like, that's this little spot right down the street from me. You know, and I'm fairly new to the area. So I'm just like, I walk by there all the time going to Whole Foods and this. And I always was like interested in that space. I'd go by, look in the window, like what's going on in here? It's like, there's, it's not open. What? What is happening? Like one day I walk by and there's people hanging out, but I was just like, what is going on? And it looks so interesting and cool. Is it the picture of Keith Richards, isn't it? Yeah, there's a, a an image of Keith Richards. And, so you're yeah. like, well, this, somehow there's stuff going yes, on. Yes, very interesting place, right? And so I was like, oh, dude, dude, I'll put my resume, like drop it in the mailbox. <laughs> just like creepy old mailbox he has outside. <laughs> And like two weeks later, I get a call, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, hey, you know. And, and so we start chatting and um, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm just looking for something part time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, 
this sounds great. You know, we, we just had a phone conversation and then I don't hear from him. And I go to Sedona for my birthday, you know, cause I just turned 50 this year, this past year. So, um, thank you. So I was there with my sister and, uh, it was amazing. I'd never been to Sedona. It was fantastic, fantastic place. And I get a call from him like, Hey, can you meet, you know, or text or something I'm like, well, I'm in Sedona, but when I get back and so, yeah, long story short, I got back and, and we met and it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And he's like, here's the key, do your thing. And, um, so now I, um, uh, I'm there three days a week and, uh, we're lining up some really incredible shows and, uh, it's really going to be exciting. And there's, People who are in the music business are going to uh, really be floored by who's coming up here cool. to show for us um, in the visual capacity. Um, so I have friends in, you know, from my L.A. New York days that I've um, who are artists who are, you know, I'm going to be representing. And uh, in the fall, we're going to be, you know, really um, doing some big stuff there. So uh, it's it's a huge passion of mine. And definitely uh something that i'm fully invested in and very excited about and i do think they're you know i struggle with that because i'm like oh i do this and i do that but you know i think eventually we all it all kind of makes sense together and i just think it's important for people to not get too boxed into you know what they do you know i think a lot of this like finding your purpose is like they think it's like oh i'm gonna I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, and, and, and one of the my big things, especially in the art world, is to show that people are multi-talented, and just because you're known for being a musician, let's say, doesn't mean you're not a photographer, or just because you're known for being a filmmaker doesn't mean you're not, you know, a musician, you know, it's just people are multi-talented, and so I, I just embrace the concept of doing multiple things, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, you know, my father's an entrepreneur, and I love people who do it their own way and, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, not the corporate thing has just never been my game. You know, I respect the, those that are doing it consciously and doing it well. And I think there's a lot of advancement that can happen in, in, in corporate life. But, um, you know, I chose the road less traveled. And I think part of that is just supporting other people and understanding that you just don't have to do one thing because some people aren't designed to do one thing. And I think it's really fun to kind of put that kaleidoscope together a little bit and kind of, it's like a quilt, you know, you kind of have to stitch it together. And for those that are rainbow people, I call them, you know, like that, they're not just specialists, they're multi-talented. Um, it's fun to sort of, you know, help them understand that, embrace that and, and, and encourage it and, um, that's, that's really fun for me. Earlier, you've a few times talked about ascending. Yeah. And I have a very Judeo-Christian, well, Christian outlook of with the word ascension. Yeah. So it seems like you're using it in a different semantic manner. I use it mostly in the spiritual community. It's a, it's common, you know, that's where I've, you know, ascension symptoms, people talk about it a lot who are you know, I get, I don't know. Again, there's, there's the religion and their spirituality, you know what I mean? Right. And these are always, and you know, people are always one seen one side or the other, you know, I think it's all part of the same thing and words are really, you know, I really, it, it's, um, very, very, you know, that's why channelers are so important because the language they use is so, so 
significant, you know? And so these words can get really loaded, like ascension, like, you know, twin flame, like, you know, manifesting, you know, like the culture just absorbs them and then they become overcrowded and then it, it, it just adds to the confusion even more. So it's really challenging to talk about spiritual concepts using human language because it's once you label it, it's not that, you know, once you say it's ascension, it's not ascension. There's really, you can't contain it, you know? So we do our best, right. With the, with the words that we are able to, you know, we got to communicate. So, uh, but it's interesting to see what things trigger in people. You say the word ascension, Wow, someone could really, you know, flash back to like preschool or like Sunday school stuff right, or church right. days and they see, so, you know, it's so it's different for everybody. But that's an opening for you to, to kind of look at well, why does that, you know, word, what does that make me feel? And it's just just like right. pictures and images and art can do that. Words do the same thing. That's why writing is so important. And words, writers are so important in the beauty that they can Oh, it's incredible, right? Well, what do you mean when you say ascension? When I say ascension, I'm, I what I'm referring to is is a raising of our vibration, you know, our, our consistent raising of vibration and increasing light and um, increasing more joy and focusing on love and all of these things that allow our, our, our natural frequency to sort of go higher so we can vibrate at a higher level. And it's, 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 really you know it, it can be really jarring you know on the physical level so it's it's just going up you know it's ascension you know third d consciousness to fourth you know 4d is like the dream state you know 5d is now where we're kind of you know things aren't so black and white it's a little bit more unity consciousness you know there's an opening there you know do you think that's why fluid sexuality and transgender and all these elements of gender and sex are so fluid yes absolutely that is and there's a lot of um you know i mean that's a whole other conversation <laughs> which my friend alan was coming to town who's a expert on ufo and um you know ets and um i i'm not as knowledgeable about that but i get a lot of downloads around that at certain times and i feel a lot of this um you know this coming together of other you know our galactic friends i call them and uh, that's 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 coming online, you know, more and more. And I think there's an awakening happening there, um, in terms of just the fluidity, of not only of our gender here as you know as humans, but also with the coming together of other um, other beings, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's all starting to kind of coagulate. They're here to help us, I believe, you know. And um, and I just encourage those transmissions because I think it's really beautiful. And I think the earth needs a lot of help. I think we're really, really at a point where we're really hurting ourselves, you know, and, um, you know, I think we should be open to their help and open to their guidance because we have a galactic responsibility. And I think that we're often very consumed because of the density of this planet into the dark and the things that, you know, cause so much conflict. And so, um, you know, I work more and more with that energy. Um, you know, like my said, my friend Alan, you know, is, um, he's coming tomorrow. I get to see him, um, which is really cool, but there's a lot of people doing really good work in that area. And, uh, that's also part of Ascension, you know, it's just understanding, um, you know, that we're all part, we're all from somewhere, you know, star seeds, whatever you want to call it. And, 
I think it's really fun. I, I often feel, and a lot of my clients have this divine homesickness, I call it, where some of us just don't always feel like this is where we our home is. You know, we feel more connected. That's why the stars are so comforting to many of us and the planets and we look to outer space because we're looking for our our you know our planet you know our galactic home and things like that and i think there's something really beautiful about that and i think you know there is sort of that existential you know kind of thing going on where i i, I think talking about those things is going to be a lot more um commonplace or i feel it should be well, is there anything that hasn't been touched upon that you would... God, you went deep, man. I love it. This was so fun. Um, yeah, you know, I just know it's, everything's evolving. Everything, you know what I mean? Like, our conversation today is this. It could be 10 other things tomorrow, you know? So, things are happening quickly. Like, we are evolving. So, stay present. Stay grounded, you know? Each day is precious. Our life is so... We're co-creating it, you know, and, and our thoughts and our feelings and our beliefs are, are really powerful and really important. And learning to love yourself is the, is the journey of this life is, is your, is within. I really, I really do believe that. And, and so I just encourage people to open up to themselves and to ask for help if they need it, you know, and to allow that it's like a, 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 a flower opening, you know, I, they often show it to me as that, like having your heart just open. So just helping people open their hearts um, and working with yourself to open it, um, I, I think is really, you know, probably the best thing that we can do. And I think as we do that for ourselves, it naturally opens up the energies around us and then we can all elevate and grow and really change the world, you know, one little heart opening at a time. So um, that's really, you know, what I feel. And it's a, it's, it's just something that you can do with yourself all day energetically, just imagining that, heart opening, you know, and I, I do that, you know, when I get nervous or when I feel, you know, like I just need that love. I just feel that in my heart and it helps. Is automatic writing mm. one of your consistent tools? Yeah, I do that every morning. Um, okay. I journal, I have my journal here and, um, I just do, I, it's, it's, I usually just write out whatever comes to mind, but then I answer myself. <laughs> So it's kind of fun. Like I'll just like it's like yes, Julie, you da da da, and I just it's just a really you know when when you kind of work with you know um, the energies and stuff like it, it's not so serious. Sometimes I think sometimes people think spirituality is like oh and well, you know you got to be all like kumbaya. And so it's not like the universe has a sense of humor, and I love I love like kind of normalizing you know communication with guides and angels and spiritual being you know like the unseen world. I love normalizing that because they're just freaking normal. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you've got to get down and pray on your knee. You know, the reverence is beautiful. They appreciate that, but it's really just having a conversation, you know, like with your best friend or someone that just sees your life from a higher perspective. And I just think the more you engage in that and the more you, you know, have those conversations with yourself through writing, through whatever, you do that works for you it just continues to guide you you know and your life does get better and you do open up and you are in the right place at the right time and all these beautiful blessings and miracles can happen and i think it's through that connection through the the exercising of that and the practice of that they love that they just you know your guides and angels can't intervene unless you ask them to because we have free will 
So it's really important that you ask for the help and that you communicate with them and just, you know, guide me. Thank you. Thank you is the best prayer you can offer is just thank you. You know, waking up with gratitude. I mean, Eckhart Tolle says that. Like, all you have to do is just say thank you. Like, that's it. You don't have to, you know, just thank you. And they love that. You know, they're just like, they get so happy because they get to help you. Imagine being an angel. That's your job, you know? Oh like, God. you need, you want to fulfill your purpose is to help the humans. So they love it. It, it makes them ascend, you know? It helps them go higher. So it's really beautiful, you know? And, and I just... That's what I've done in my life to help me overcome my difficulties and challenges. And, and, uh, it's just, um, it's just something that you'll have, you have forever. You can't ever, it won't ever leave you. You always have that. You always have. And I think it's important that, that we understand and, and appreciate that and, and normalize that for people so that those that are challenged can have the guidance that they need within their own soul, you know? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Wow. Is that, that it? That's it. I feel good. That's I feel it. good. I <laughs> feel right. complete. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs>